This is the Big Easy Bets Podcast. I'm your host, Logan, and with me in the studio, Nick Von Brick. Good morning. Episode 77, the Sweet 16 is in the books, and we are on to the Elite Eight. Um, it was a wild Sweet 16, to say the least. Uh, we saw buzzer beaters. We saw free basketball. We went to overtime. Uh, we saw a lot of upsets. So, yeah, we'll recap the Sweet 16 real quick, and then we'll give you our picks for the Elite Eight because we were on a roll there for a little bit. But um, we're going to keep this one short, short and sweet. Get right to the point. Probably no more than a 20, 25-minute episode, and uh, we'll get it out to you guys. It's currently pushing 11 o'clock right now. First game today is at 6.15. So, yeah, let's recap real quick. On Saturday, obviously, we had started it off with Oregon State and Loyola Chicago. Did you see this game going this way? A, um, a decisive uh, – I mean, I said no. decisive. Seven-point win for Oregon State, but, I mean, they were wire-to-wire pretty much uh, took down – the Ramblers. Yeah, they, they were winning the whole game, basically. Uh, I, I didn't see it going this way. I'll tell you that. Sister Jean um, obviously fell off, didn't make enough deals with the devil, I guess, because the uh, the Cinderella story's over over there. Um, but, yeah, is Oregon State for real? I mean. <laughs> That's the thing. It's You just look at who they've beaten, you know, who they had to go through to beat to win the Pac-12 championship. And then the teams they've played, they've been underdogs this whole tournament. Yeah. So it's like they're going to be eight-point underdogs or seven-and-a-half-point underdogs to Houston. You just wonder if they're not getting the respect that they deserve. Yeah, I don't know. It's tough. There's a lot of seven, seven-and-a-half-point spreads. Um, yeah, that spread's got, I don't know, some of you expect it to be a little bit closer. For this round, yeah. round of the tournament. Yeah, I don't know. That, that's going to be an interesting one for sure. Uh, after that, you had Baylor and Villanova, which we pretty much felt like uh, this was going to be a dominant performance from Baylor. Uh, first half, it was not. They go down, I think, seven at halftime, and then they ended up winning by 11. So a, a dominant second-half performance from Baylor, um, which I, they, I, don't, I don't understand what's going on with the three-point shot. They were my number one pick to win it all. Uh, But they're still hanging in there even with the absence of the outside shot. So they're playing great defense. Um, Davion Mitchell is a beast. He really is. Yeah, I think the biggest problem with Baylor, especially in the first half, I mean, you saw them in the second half. They changed the way that they were playing on offense a little bit. But in the first half, it just seemed like a lot of the three-pointers were forced. Um like they're not hunting for the best shot necessarily. They they're settling. Yeah, and then they depend on they have three really good guards that can score one on one with anybody. Mm-hmm. And they're kind of. It seemed like they were relying on that a little bit too much in the first half, and then the game plan changed up a little bit. Yeah, they were able to get to the rim. Yeah, three for nineteen from the three point line. What I don't understand is why Macy Oteague only took one. You went, uh, Butler went one of nine. He had an atrocious game, four of 14 from the field, one of nine from deep. And the free throw line wasn't good either for Butler. Yeah, so he struggled all around. Um, Davion Mitchell had a good game, seven of 13 from the field, but 0 of three from the line, or from, from deep. So, but 14 points. Uh, they got a big contribution out of Flagler off the bench. He was really the only one that could hit a shot consistently, four or six from the field, two or three from deep. And he poured in 16 points, uh, a couple big free throws there too. Yeah. So, Baylor still is the powerhouse, in my opinion. Um, I, I mean, we'll get on that. We'll get to that with the Elite Eight games. But um, after that, you had Oral Roberts and Arkansas. Like we said, you don't want to, or I said, and Nick, you were on, you were on Oral Roberts as well, um, correct? Or was it just the over under? No, I was on Oral Roberts. So like I said, you don't want to be against the the Cinderella team um, when they're rolling and. They damn near had the the upset of the tournament and the shot of the tournament. Um, I don't know how 
so it was uh, however many seconds. I think it was three, four seconds left, and they run a very um, well-drawn-up inbounds play. they got to go the length of the court. And they end up getting the ball in the hands of their best player, drives all the way down the right sideline, and basically pulls up right before the right corner and gets a good look. You can't ask for a better look than that. Down two, they go for the three, which I always like. Go for the win. Um, and, I mean, just missed it. I thought it was in for sure. Um, this was a back-and-forth game. Oral Roberts jumped out to a pretty good lead. I think it was 12-point lead at one point, and Arkansas battled back. Um, but Oral Roberts is for real. They've got two two really good players, O'Banner and uh, Azmus. Yeah. Like, really good. So You got to – I don't know. I think Arkansas played really bad this game. Arkansas has been playing bad this entire time. Yeah, but, like, it just – the whole game plan just seemed like – stupid and then really it was the end towards the end of the game I thought or Roberts didn't get the ball into Aceman's hands early enough to where they allowed um, saying like crunch time yeah like when there's 10 minutes five minutes left uh there should have been a timeout called earlier before uh Arkansas took the lead in my opinion I just thought they were they weren't getting a ball into the their best player's hands there there down towards the end when Arkansas was coming back and I just felt like they could have held on to the lead if they would have, but Yeah. Um Yeah, so I mean I don't know. To me it was two teams. Arkansas played pretty bad. Uh they were able to score in the second half, but still on defense they didn't play very well. And then uh Oral Roberts not to me, it was just a big mistake to not get the ball into their best player's hands earlier in that game. Yeah, so you before had, it ended, you had thirty-seven uh, percent from the field from Arkansas, one of nine from the three-point line, eleven percent. Um, not good. Arkansas has been playing poor this entire tournament. So you can look at it one of two ways. You can look at it like, okay, they've been playing poor and they're still squeaking out and getting these getting wins. They go down every game. Um, or yeah, you can, been down or you double can, digits in every game. Every game, yeah. Texas Tech, Oral Roberts, and uh, and then Colgate. Colgate smacked them in the mouth in the first half, and then they had to wake back up. Um, but so, or you could look at it from the standpoint of, are they just kind of squeaking by, getting lucky, and they haven't really run? They've they've gotten lucky in the sense of they didn't have to see they didn't have to see Ohio State. Um, who did I say they, they played Texas Tech, which was a, that's a Texas Tech is a good team. Um, but and just, Arkansas was controlling that options. game for the most part. Yeah, and uh, it was Texas Tech kind of in the second half. Arkansas took control, and then Texas Tech battled back to make well, yeah, it close Tech toward the up, end. Tech went up ten, and then Arkansas came back, took the lead, and took a pretty uh, a, a substantial lead. And then Texas Tech made that late push um, and had a layup to tie it to send it to overtime, but missed it point blank. Um, so yeah, I mean, is Arkansas just getting lucky skating by, or is I mean, you look at it as the offense about to start clicking, and then I don't know. So we'll we'll touch on that. But then the last game of the night on Saturday was Syracuse and Houston. So this was the performance from Syracuse that you were pretty much looking for, that you were expecting first round. 5 of 23 from the three-point line, 14 of 50 from the field, 28%. Um, I mean, credit that Houston defense, but also – you could just call it an off night. I mean, five of twenty-three from the three-point line is not not good. That's uncharacteristic of Syracuse. Um, but then on the flip side, Houston didn't have a good shooting performance either. So thirty-eight percent from the field, twenty-seven percent from the three-point line. Um, they won the turnover battle. They they won the rebound battle substantially by nine. So yeah, I mean, I I feel like I'm gonna put that more on Houston's defense than on Syracuse just poor shooting night. Um but Houston covers the spread easily. They went 46 to 62. Um so we got off to a hot start on Saturday. You went 5 and 0. I went 3 and 1. Uh we dropped Loyola Chicago and full disclosure, I accidentally bet <laughs> Oregon State. I went back and looked at it. I was like, wait a second. I was like, okay, well, that was lucky. So I on the podcast, I took Loyola Chicago, and I had every intention of taking Loyola Chicago. But sometimes the gambling gods are with you, and I accidentally bet Oregon State. So in theory, I went 4-0 um, money-wise, but record-wise 3-1. So we both cash in on Baylor. Uh, we both cash in on Oral Roberts. And then – so what you were on two over-unders, right? Yeah. What was the second one? Uh, Loyola Chicago and 
and Oregon State under 125 and a half. No, no, I know. That's the same team. Yeah, but we already re- discussed the Arkansas under. Okay. No, did we? Yeah. Okay. Um. So, yeah, and then, yeah, so he was on the Arkansas under as well. Um. And then, yeah, we had Houston cover the spread against Syracuse. So, 3-1 and one on Saturday, 5-0 and oh for Nick. Um, on Sunday, we started out well. So, Creighton versus Gonzaga, it was pretty much obvious that this was going to be a one-sided victory for Gonzaga. Creighton just really isn't a good team. Creighton shouldn't have got out of the first round against UCSB. Um, Creighton wins 83-65. We cover the spread there. Michigan versus Florida State. So, I said if Michigan wins the turnover battle – They'll win the game. Um, they did that. And then I felt like Dickinson would be able to have his way with uh, Kropervica. And he did, in a sense. He didn't go crazy. Uh, but he was 5 of 10 from the field for 14 points and 8 rebounds, whereas Kropervica was 7 points and 3 rebounds. And then Michigan got good minutes from Austin Davis as well. Yep. yep. Who's their backup center? Yeah, they forced uh, Florida State into 14 turnovers, and they won the rebounding battle 37-31. to 31. So those are – and a poor shooting night from both teams from deep. Uh, Florida State hadn't been able to hit a three all tournament, and that was really their calling card um, for most of the year. I mean, they shot – throughout the whole season, they shot almost 40% as a team, which is not – I mean, that's damn good. 39% from the three-point line as a team is really solid. So but, so we started off the day 2-0 and there. Uh, and then UCLA, Alabama. So UCLA, um, you could tell from the start UCLA was ready to go. So I ended up live betting UCLA plus three and a half to try to um, try to even myself out right there. It didn't look good for Bama from the jump. Um, but Bama battled back and ended up sending this to overtime after Herb Jones, who is Bama's best player, misses two shots at the free throw line back-to-back. I mean, he gets zero arc under his shot, hits back rim every time, comes right back to him. Um, But then they get an incredibly clutch shot. Uh, I don't even know who it was from. Um, It was a dude from Alabama that always talks shit to Trendon Watford. Yeah, number three, Reese. Yeah, yeah, Alex Reese. Um, (laughs) Absolutely. I don't know why. I don't know why UCLA doesn't foul right there. They always say how Mick Cronin is an advocate for fouling when you're up three with only seconds left, foul, send them to the free throw line, then you get the ball back and basically give them no chance to send it to OT. Well, he didn't foul, and then they hit the shot. So, But UCLA, normally the team that makes the last shot in overtime has all the momentum. Uh, I was expecting UCLA to feel really let down and defeated after going to OT when it looked like they had it in the bag. Yeah, with their best player fouled out as well. Yeah, and they did not. They came out and smacked Alabama across the face and end up winning by 10 in overtime. So... Uh, clearly, like we've been saying, that's the topic of the tournament is, uh, we underestimated the PAC 12 because the PAC 12 is the real deal. And in the last game of the day, you had a PAC 12 matchup, Oregon versus USC and USC is apparently the real deal as well, because I did not expect them to have another great shooting night. And they did just that 57% from the field, 58% from the three point line. Anytime you shoot better from the three point line than you do from the field, you're probably going to win the game. And they did. 68, 82 to 68, they won. They lost the rebounding battle, and they had more turnovers. So, Yeah, they did turn the ball over uh, four, a lot for, 14 times. to win as big as they did. Yeah, 14 times they turned over. It's a, They're just shooting better than everybody else. They're just And their defense is good. Yeah. That was the main thing. Like, right before this game was starting – Someone asked me what I thought about it, and then, you know, you kind of start thinking, rethinking mm-hmm. what you already thought. And that was the biggest thing that was worrying me before this game was starting was that I knew USC's defense was better than Oregon's, and if if it showed up, then, you know, what would happen if when Oregon struggles to score? No, yeah, I mean, they got 20 points out of two different players, and neither one had the last name Mobley, so... Uh, clearly, they've got other guys that can score the ball. Um, Evan Mobley is pretty much the consensus number two pick in this upcoming NBA draft. So they've got talent, they've got size, and they've got length. So definitely a team to watch. It'll be a very interesting matchup with Gonzaga um, on Tuesday. But So, yeah, 2-2 two and two on the day on Sunday. So all in all in the Sweet 16, I went, what, 5-3? and three. You went 7-2. and 7-2. So that's a... 
that translates to a really solid Sweet 16. And like I said, we are now on to the Elite Eight. First game today, 6-15, you've got Oregon State, 12-seed Oregon State versus the two-seed Houston. Houston's a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Like we just said, is Oregon State for real? And is it somebody that should be worried about? Um, what do you think about the seven-and-a-half? You know, like I said before, part of me feels like Oregon State isn't getting the respect they deserve. I mean, they've been underdogs pretty much the entire Pac-12 tournament and then the entire NCAA tournament, and they've they've won. Uh, both of the defenses are really good. Houston has a better one, though, in my opinion. Yeah. And Houston also has the advantage on re- in rebounding. Without a doubt. But I'm going to stay away from the spread here just because, I mean, it's been proven – Oregon State's 22-9 and nine against the spread. Mm-hmm. And then uh, as underdogs, they're 16-5 and five and 5-0 five and versus top 25 teams against the spread. So um, it's a team that just continues to be big underdogs. They really, I mean, when you look back at it, obviously the game wasn't close between Loyola and Chicago, but you should have. I don't know. It's why I stayed away from, from the spread in that game. But uh, I'm going shooting at the under again. The under? Yeah, it's 129. It's not very high, but um, this is a game where I feel like you got to trust that the defense is – I just don't see these teams magically scoring a bunch of points all of a sudden. See, I'm banking on Sasser to figure it out. He's got to figure it out. If Houston's going to do anything, if they're going to go to the Final Four and potentially the championship game um, or even win it all, I mean – They've got to get more contributions out of Marcus Sasser. There's no two ways about it. He was one of their best shooters throughout the regular season and cannot, absolutely cannot buy a bucket as of late. So, Yeah, I mean, it took them a second, the Houston, to figure out the zone, and they really figured it out as the game got on. And then Sasser, they found Sasser open. I mean, he hit a one or two from deep, I think. Against Syracuse? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he went 22% from the three-point line. He had 12 points. Um, before that, he didn't – the game before that against uh, Rutgers, he didn't hit a three. Yeah, but they were – I remember seeing, like, uh, it may have been Kenny Smith and all those guys breaking down the mm-hmm. zone at halftime, and they were kind of – you know, they get the ball to, in the middle, at, like at the free throw line to that middle guy, yeah. and he wasn't well, – uh, Yeah, that's what you got to They were forcing so. it. They weren't opening up the zone like they should have, and they were forcing Sasser to take a lot of contested threes in, in that um, first half. Yeah, he went – so he was 5 of 15 from the field, 2 of 9 from deep, 12 points. He's got to He's got to get – he's got to give them more. He's got to. He um, – Quinn Grimes, I mean, he didn't have a good – they were struggling with that zone. It took them way too long to figure it out. And, I mean, when they did, they pulled away. Um but Grimes was 4 of 12 from deep for 14 points, 5 of 15 from the field as well. So your two top scorers um, are not really giving you what you need, but they were still able to get 62 points against a tough Syracuse zone. Um, I think I'm going to take Houston with the points here. I, I think Oregon State, it's the cream is about to rise. It, we're, it's about to start separating themselves of who is really supposed to be here and who's not. I don't think Oregon State's supposed to be here. I had them beating Tennessee, but I didn't have them beating Oklahoma State. Um, and I definitely didn't have them even playing Loyola Chicago. So they're on a really good run. Um, but I think Houston's the real deal. I think Houston is looking at it. that They're banged up. Jarreau's playing hurt. But I'm thinking that they're looking at it. If, if we go out, we just got to take care of business, and then they get a week to heal up for the Final Four. I don't think they're going to play around. I think they're going to come out fast. Um, and, I mean, you can expect Houston to have a really good defensive showing. I like Quentin Grimes a lot. I think he's one of the best players in the tournament. Um, I just I'm, – I'm banking on a little bit better shooting performance from Houston. Sasser's got to wake up. He's got to if they're going to do anything, and they know that. So I think they're going to try to find him good looks. Um and then the rebounding advantage of Houston. I, I, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Houston with the points here. Um, One twenty nine seems low, but I mean, if they do what they did to Syracuse, and they haven't been, it, there's nothing to show that they will break out of the shooting slump. That's just me banking on them. Well, to the do thing it. is, is, is Oregon State's defense has proven this. 
the Oregon State's not just winning as underdogs. They're dominating the entire the game. They're winning by eight, nine, ten points this whole tournament. Yeah. So it's not like they've come out and won on the last second or gotten lucky. No, mm-hmm. they've won convincingly against everybody. So the defense, I mean, for them to play as well as they did against Loyola Chicago, who's doesn't score a lot of points but is an efficient offensive team that hits at a pretty good percentage – for them to to do what they did to them, I don't know. I just think that the only play here is is the under. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely going to be the Quentin Grimes versus Ethan Thompson matchup. Two six five guards, two really good scorers, two really good defenders. So um, whoever, whoever shows up, whoever can get the better of that um, exchange will probably dictate who wins this game. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It feels it's yeah, and I just don't see. I know I said this last podcast that Oregon State has been able to score against some good defenses. Well, this is the best defense that they've that they've are going to play all year, and I just don't see. I look at Oregon State's team, and yeah, they have a few guys that can hit the three, but I just don't see. I I feel like they're going to struggle to score, but you just wonder. If Houston has has that stretch, kind of like Loyola Chicago did, where they had that stretch in the first half where they didn't score a lot. See, I think how close can Oregon State keep this game? I think that um, Houston, obviously, Houston's got much more um, capable scorers than Loyola Chicago. They really have Loyola Chicago really had Crutwig. That was about it. They have a couple other guys who could hit an outside shot here or there, but they were getting open looks. You know what I mean? It wasn't like every shot from Loyola Chicago was contested. Oregon State was playing good defense, but they were still getting their fair share of open looks. They just couldn't hit a shot. So, yeah, they were getting fairly open looks. So if Loyola Chicago hits a couple of those, whereas I think Quentin Grimes will, if Marcus Sasser can break out of his shooting slump, or if then you got um, Giroux, who's not really a three-point shooter, but can hit you one here or there, but can create. That's the biggest thing is he's going to be the, the X factor. He's what... Loyola Chicago didn't have somebody that can create run the offense find people get open and then Quentin Grimes is a can go get you a bucket at any point in time get to the middle pull up for a mid-range jump shot attack the rim and then if they miss the offensive rebounding is best in the country so I don't know I think I think the the story ends here for Oregon State I think Houston could win this game decisively so I'm going to take the points minus seven and a half you're on under 129 yeah, but depending on how this game goes in the first half, I'd consider a second half bet on Houston against the spread. No, you're gonna you're gonna find out quick uh the direction of this game. It's gonna take Houston to come out. If they hit their first couple threes and they're locking up and they get the momentum, they very well might run away with this game. Um but you, you can't don't focus too much on the seeding too. Like don't be like, Oh, when's the last time a twelve seed got to the final four type of thing? At this point, those numbers. Oh, they won the Pac-12. Yeah, those numbers. Who has three teams in the lead eight? Yeah, those numbers next to the name don't mean anything at this point. So, um, but so next game, eight fifty-seven p.m. tonight. You got Arkansas taking on Baylor. Uh, Baylor, another seven and a half point spread. I'm gonna be honest. I'm on Baylor with the points. I think if Arkansas, it's kind of like the same thing. Arkansas has been struggling from the floor shooting. Um, Moody has not had a good tournament. He's their best player. He was the SEC freshman of the year. Shouldn't have been. Should have been Cam Thomas. Um, doesn't really make sense, but he is. Um, and he's been struggling in this tournament a little bit. So I think that Baylor's just too damn good defensively. If you 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 got to come out and shoot lights out to even stay in this game, and I don't think that they will. So I'm going to take Baylor minus seven and a half. Um, are you rolling with Arkansas? Um. It's like a game right now that, I mean, I don't know. The spread is like, Arkansas hasn't played good, right? Right. Um, Baylor struggled last game, so it's like, you can form the argument that I guess the stretch for Arkansas has been longer for, so that like it's more likely to continue to happen and that Baylor will have a bounce back in terms of scoring, especially from the I mean, perimeter, but if yeah, if you're gonna bank on one or the other, I would bank on that's I'm banking on Baylor to have the bounce back. They're the best three point shooting team in the nation. 
statistically wise, like if you go by statistics, they're probably not going to have as poor of a shooting night as they just did, you know? Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm going going to go with Arkansas just because it's kind of like a, a guess here. <laughs> no, yeah, these are tough. These are tough spreads. Like, these are tough games to pick. But, like, right now I have it at – I know you said seven and a half, but I have it at eight. I mean, that could be a – a difference because I mean you look at I'm just going by ESPNs yeah yeah the book has it is a more updated but anyway the thing I think here is is the length of Arkansas's guards we saw that the length of Villanova's guards gave Baylor a little bit of trouble from shooting from the perimeter I think Baylor has to really not force it from from three uh if they try to drive the lane and uh, try to get some of their players. Moody's been a player that's gotten in foul trouble. He got in foul trouble against LSU after getting out to a hot start in the SEC tournament. Um, But, yeah, Moody's going to have to play very well, and they're going to have to get scoring from number four, who who came out in the second half and scored uh, a lot of the points during that run. He hit the go-ahead bucket. Yeah, and then hit the go-ahead bucket. And then they got to get it out of that other guy with the hair. What's his name? <laughs> um, the guard. Desi Sills, I believe. Maybe that's his I don't know. Um, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he wears the headband in the first half, but I think he takes it off in the second half for some reason. But uh, Him with the red hair? No. Um, Note? Probably Note. Yeah, yeah, that's probably him. Yeah, J.D. Note. Yeah, but Moody's a big guard, and then they got another big guard. So, I mean, that's basically – every game's not going to go how you think it is. So, I'm going kind of – I think Baylor, Baylor wins this game, but I think that it's a little bit closer. Probably getting into a free throw battle at the end, but I don't know if it's enough to get past seven and a half or eight points. Yeah, I don't know. If Davion Mitchell's playing defense like he was um, or has been – I mean, the guy's nickname's Off Night, so that's all you really need to know. If he's guarding you, you're going to have an off night. Um, and they've got other guys who can defend at a very high level as well. But not only that, they've got four different guys that can consistently hit an outside shot. So it it's too tough to defend. You got Mitchell, you got Butler, you got uh, Macy Oteague, and then you got Mayer, who can really do it all. The dude with the mullet is possibly – like the most important player on that team because he can drive, he can facilitate, he can shoot from the outside, he can guard, he's long. Um, so I don't know. Baylor's the most intriguing team in this tournament, in my opinion. That's what I was saying from the start. They were my pick to win it. So I could see him. I could see him running, running away with this, just like I can see Houston running away with it against Oregon State. Um, seven and a half or eight, whatever you get it at, is a lot. But I mean. Arkansas has been squeaking by, squeaking by. They were lucky to get past um, Oral Roberts, and then they had a very a really good second half against Texas Tech, but almost gave it up there at the end. They won by two, and then obviously Colgate gave them a scare in the first half, but that really wasn't too much to worry about. They came out and handled business in the second half there, but I don't think Arkansas is that good. We've seen LSU beat them twice this year. Um, I think Arkansas just was peaking at the right moment, and then they they – they're on the decline now, so I'm gonna. Yeah, to cover, they're gonna have to return to the, the way that they played. Yeah, and I don't know at the end of the regular season. I don't know if they can do that. I think they peaked. They peaked in February when you got to peak in March. So I'm gonna take Baylor with the points minus seven and a half or eight, whichever you can get it at. Um, so we'll see what happens though. But that's gonna be two good games tonight. Um, on Tuesday, first game, 6-15, you got USC versus Gonzaga. Gonzaga's nine-point favorite, so this is tough because um, we've seen USC look dominant. Uh, I, I'm very interested to see the matchup between Evan Mobley and Drew Timmy. Um, I would say similar styles, I guess. Um, Mobley's a little bigger, more athletic, obviously, uh, but... Drew Timmy's footwork is extremely good. He's very he's got incredible touch around the rim. Uh can finish with both hands, a lot of finesse. So I don't know. This one's tough. Which way are you leaning here? USC. Are you? Yeah. Feel like it's too many points. Yeah, that and um 
this will be one of the toughest defensive challenges for Gonzaga. For Gonzaga, they haven't. No, yeah, they they haven't, haven't struggled yeah. at all on offense. It seems like this whole season, but uh, they had one bad first half against uh, BYU. Yeah, so they haven't played many good defensive teams, in my opinion. And then I don't know. I just wonder, yeah, how they're going to respond to if they do start struggling on offense. Uh, Mobley's long, can defend a rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a guy that gets offensive rebounds. Timmy's, like you said, good footwork. Not a really good rim protector, but no, solid really. yeah. on defense as far as being in the right position at the right time. So, um, yeah, I just think the biggest question here is if UCLA can continue to get the scoring help to help Mobley and they can continue to score at even something close to this pace. So it doesn't even have to be as good but close to it. And then how is Gonzaga going to adapt to the zone Yeah, that we saw from that gave Oregon so much problems last night? Yeah, but Gonzaga, the way you beat a zone is you shoot them out of a zone. So if Nimhard, like we watched yesterday, if Nimhard and Ayayi are knocking down outside shots, that's, I mean, that's their two worst shooters on the court. Yeah, the biggest thing, though, to me is that outside of Timmy, you look at the game last night and Oregon's a team that, that shot the ball fairly well against Iowa from the perimeter, and they weren't getting a lot of open shots from deep. And then when they drove the lane, it was a lot of their shots were contested at at the rim and a lot of them were blocked so yeah it, it's just it's more difficult when whereas with Oregon you got Duarte and you got Richardson uh Figueroa can kind of hit you an outside shot but not really whereas with Gonzaga you've got Kispert who's one of the best if not the best outside shooter in the country then followed by um you got Jalen Suggs who can not a great outside shooter but he can definitely hit his fair share then you got Ayayi you got Nimhard I mean just you just go when four out of your five it, and that's a big if Nimhard's hitting like he was yesterday and Ayayi as well. Then you make them respect that. They have to go out there and extend their zone, which they're now more vulnerable to be taken off the dribble, which that's Ayayi's and Nimhard's strength. So that's what I was saying yesterday. If they're forcing them to come out there, then they're going to be able to get into the heart of the defense. They're going to get Mobley out of his position where he wants to be. They could potentially get him into foul trouble. And that's another thing with Timmy's footwork. He's going to – he knows how to drop step his way into putting you in a bad position and forcing you into a, a spot where you don't want to be. And all it takes is Mobley to pick up two fouls early in the first half, and then that might be all she wrote. Gonzaga might pull out to too big of a lead and then run away with it. Um, but – I don't know that I can take Gonzaga with the points here. It, it is a lot. Nine is a lot, but it's just it's tough. It's tough to pick against Gonzaga just because of all of the scoring options and the pace that they can play at. So, yeah, and USC's not strictly his own defensive team. They can play very well man to man as well. Yeah, but even but that's when it's more like I, I don't even know what they would be better off playing. To be honest, um. I don't know. It's tough. I would consider the over, but it is a lot of points as well. This is a whole I, I didn't even I didn't pick I didn't have a, a pick going into the podcast on this game. Um nine's too many, dude. I mean, yeah, no, I'm leaning USC, but I'm also leaning the over too, I feel. It's one fifty nine or what No, I see one fifty four. Okay, one fifty four. Yeah, I mean that's not too many for considering the way it's been going. But I mean Gonzaga's yeah. played decent defense. They haven't really played too many talented offensive teams yet. So yeah, um, I don't know. To me, the biggest question is: I think that the defense is going to give Gonzaga their biggest test of the season. The biggest question is: Gonzaga is the had- scoring? Is this, is it going to be? Yeah, there for USC. Yeah, I mean, Gonzaga hadn't scored under eighty in almost a month. Um, So I don't know, dude. This one's tough. It's like I feel like, like yes, this will be the toughest defensive test. Granted, they they played West Virginia. Um, West Virginia is a good defensive team. Yeah, Um, maybe. No, they are. They're always a good. Uh, They're lazy. 
Yeah, but they're still their guards play really good defense. They've got call for they down take low a lot of chances. The at, biggest as problem far as steals and that results in them giving up a lot of easy. So they get a lot of steals, but they give up a lot of easy buckets too. The biggest issue with West Virginia wasn't their defense. It was their inability to go get a bucket when they needed it. And the only one who could really consistently hit an outside shot was McNeil. So I, th- this might, this probably will be their best defensive uh, team that they face. But I mean, West Virginia is no slouch at all. They call them Press Virginia for a reason. So I would, I mean, I'll probably take USC with the points, but I don't know. I'm not going to make a pick on the over under currently. I'll think about it. If I do add it, I'll tweet it out. But I guess I'll take I'll take USC with the points. But I don't really want to. I don't like it. Um, it's like the other day with who who they play Oklahoma. You're like 14 feels like if you're like four. It's like 14 is too many. Yeah, but Oklahoma. And then I text you in the first half. I'm like, it's not like they can beat anybody by 25. Anybody in the country. The he, biggest thing is that Oklahoma doesn't have Mo- Mobley, yeah. Mobley, whatever yep. his name is. I know, but it, it I know, but if he gets in, fa- I'm telling you, I'm I'm worried about Timmy getting him in foul trouble. Um, he's not athletic, but he's the best. Like getting into the right position and getting you out of where you want to be. And the up, the little up and unders, he's gonna. Anytime you put your arms up, he's gonna find your arm going up for a free throw. I mean, going up for a layup. He's going to find his way to the free throw line. So it worries me, but I'll I'll take USC with the points. I mean, at this point, it's like you on one side I'm banking on Houston and Baylor to find their outside shot, and then on the other side I'm banking on USC to not, not lose it. So, I mean, USC's consistently showed now in the last two or three games that, I mean, they can hit from outside, and then they can get scoring from elsewhere outside of the Mobley brothers. So... I'll roll with the Trojans plus nine, but I don't like it at all. Um, next game, you got UCLA and Michigan. So this is another weird one. Um, I don't like any of these spreads. Michigan's seven-point favorites. It'd be hard for me to not take Michigan. Michigan's really impressed me uh, in the absence of Isaiah Livers. They're playing good defense, playing efficiently on the offensive side of the ball. They're getting contributions elsewhere. Uh, Chondi Brown, who'd you, who'd you mention was the other one? Who? Didn't you say somebody else gave them from some? The, from from, that's from Michigan. Yeah, 23 is playing pretty well defensively. And then uh, around the rim, he's – Austin a, Davis, that's who it was. Oh, yeah, Austin Davis. But, yeah. yeah. But as far as players that have um, – Filled in Isaiah Liver's shoes. It's been number 23. I forget his name. He's not much of a perimeter threat, but uh, inside he can make moves in the post and a good, good rebounder as far as putbacks is concerned. And then you said it, Brown has been the biggest guy that stepped up for them in, in Liver's absence. Yeah, 23 is Brandon Johns. Um, yeah, so, I mean, dude, they're another team that shoots really well from the outside. If they had livers, they would be in the driver's seat potentially. Um, Maybe not the driver's seat, but that would be – I would love to see what that spread against Gonzaga would be because, I mean, you got got 40% from Eli Brooks from deep. You got 42% from Smith. You got 41% from Chaundy Brown, even though I know he's not taking a ton of them. Um, 35% from uh, Wagner. So you've got a lot of people, and then you're missing 43% from livers. So best on the team. They shoot 39% damn near um as a team so I don't know this is a tough one UCLA's got a lot of momentum right now but I don't know I feel like they don't have the interior presence to stop Dickinson just like I mean you saw Florida State Florida State's got a 7-1 center and they couldn't really do much not again it's not like Dickinson lit it up but UCLA's been they're scrappy um they play hard. Mick Cronin's the coach. He came from Cincinnati, so they embody that same mentality that Cincinnati had. Um, they play pretty decent defense, but I feel like Michigan's probably too um, just sound, not going to turn the ball over a ton, going to force you into tough shots. Uh, I'm leaning Michigan with the points. Which side are you? Yeah, Michigan. It's still tough. Nah, <laughs> this is the easiest one. I don't think. 
it's the one where the size is the you, biggest. You said and, you felt best about Alabama. Yeah, well, I felt best about Gonzaga yesterday. The second best would have been Alabama. But look at the way Alabama played. You're not going to get a much worse performance from Alabama as far as shooting's concerned from them than we saw yesterday. And then at the free throw line to shoot under 45%. No, yeah, from that's, that's when you're not being game. guarded, I mean, it was a bad game for Alabama, and they they pushed it to overtime. Mm-hmm. USC, I mean, UCLA played pretty good um, the whole game, uh, consistent, more consistent than Alabama. But like you said, it's going to be Michigan playing sound on offense, not turning the ball over, getting pretty good looks, and then on defense, you got to look at. Dickinson size in the in the interior is he's a good, very good rim protector. Mm-hmm. Uh, it gave. I'm drawing a blank. Who did the Michigan just? Florida State. Yeah, it gave them a lot of problems to where they had to start f- settling for more threes than they wanted to. I feel like. Um, yeah, they like to shoot them, but they have. Yeah, there was a lot of contested. Threes. But to me, uh, it's it's um, Florida State had. Much more of an opportunity to score against Michigan than UCLA does, even though, yeah, I am worried about some of UCLA does have some length and they can score the mid range pretty well. So, I mean, that's the biggest thing you got to worry about. But to me, Michigan overall, with Dickinson and then Wagner's good defensively Mm -hmm. as well. So, and then the the game that them two can play together that high low on offense is just I don't I don't know if UCLA is going to be able to do much against them. I mean yeah. I just I think the size overall right there with Dickinson being the biggest size advantage. No, yeah, that's that's the same thing I thought with Florida State. I felt like he would get the better of Copervicha and then UCLA doesn't really have anybody for him. So if he's giving them problems down low and then can start getting his, they got to collapse and it's only going to open up shooters for it's only going to open up open looks for their outside shooters who all shoot no worse than 35 percent you got a few guys hovering around 40 so that's going to be the biggest thing and then it's just it's so the referees just kill me in March Madness with some of these calls it's like if Dickinson if Dickinson can avoid foul trouble then yeah Michigan should should be able to run away with this but but so okay you I mean I said yeah, yeah Michigan right you said um, you feel like this is the easiest one. So Out of all of these games. So who would you take, UCLA versus Oregon State? Um, Oregon State. Really? Yeah. You think? I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't think Oregon State's for real. <laughs> I, think you, I think UCLA is more for real than Oregon State. The way UCLA responded – in overtime against Alabama. Yeah, I mean that's impressive, but still, you still got to look at. They didn't play an Alabama team that we were accustomed to seeing. They played an Alabama team that had their worst shooting performance of the season. And they'll give UCLA credit for that, but when you shoot under forty-five percent at the line, that doesn't have anything to do with defense. That has everything to do with you cannot put the goddamn ball in the bucket. No, yeah, but even from deep, Alabama's been struggling from deep. They have the, they have a game one out of two out of every ten games they'll go for like fifty percent from the three point line, and then if you really look at it though, they hover around twenty five to thirty percent. Yeah, but team. if they even shoot fifty five percent from the free throw line, they win the game in regulation. If they could just make their free throws, they shot under forty five percent from an from the stripe and it's like the most elementary act in sports is shooting free throws. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, the way they responded Like you can't overtime, say that UCLA did a good job defending the free throw line because there is no defense on the free throw line. Well, yeah, obviously, but there's plenty of teams that struggle from the free throw line. Not There's been like 20 teams in the tournament history that shot in as bad as Alabama has shot in last game no yeah I know but they still even on the flip side though they still had plenty of opportunities where they could have got a stop from UCLA and they made tough shot after tough shot. yeah UCLA performed but I'm just saying that when you look at though you you think that a team can shoot at least 60 percent from free throw line like when they shoot under 60 percent that's a big problem when you shoot under 45 percent it's like how you can't expect to win 
and you almost won. No, yeah, I know, but and it's not even like UCLA had a good shooting performance. Yeah, that's what I'm, it was to me. It was more of Alabama struggling than give UCLA credit because in the stretch Alabama was making runs and UCLA kept answering with clutch shots, like you said. But to me, it, the biggest discrepancy there was the the foul line shooting. No, yeah, obviously, yeah, nobody's disputing that, but. Still, UCLA's not, they're not like a pushover team, clearly. They've got multiple different guys that can score the ball. They've got, what's his name, Tiger Campbell that can run the offense well. So I don't think that they're going to be a walkthrough team. They may be, but Mick Cronin's a good coach. They play good defense, and the way that they responded in overtime, I feel like there's a lot to be said for that. They've got a lot of, a lot of confidence. I mean, nobody had them beaten. Nobody had them beaten Alabama. I'd be shocked if anybody even. No, had and that. I didn't. Yeah, like I didn't. I didn't. I had Alabama. I thought Alabama could have ran away with it, even with or without a uh, a good shooting performance. So I don't know. Like I said, typically the team that get typically the team that makes the shot to force overtime goes on a run and and runs away with it. Um, at least from my personal watching experience, you've got all the momentum. UCLA could have hung their heads and be like, "Damn, we should have had it." Now it's hard to get back up and go play another five minutes, and they came out and didn't even look phased. So, and they've got inside out a little bit. They've got they've got length. So I don't know. No, I mean, they can score from the inside, but they're gonna have the ability for them to score. Number two for them is decent around the rim for UCLA. Made some good shots there mm-hmm. toward the end against Alabama, but I mean Alabama doesn't have a a Dickinson and. For them to be able to score like that, they're going to have to do it when Dickinson's on the bench. Yeah, I mean. But, no, they got guys that can shoot. They got guys that can shoot uh, their best the player, thing number that, 15. Yeah. He can shoot everywhere. And then number four, that, the white guy for UCLA. Yaquez. He made the – it seemed like he was the one making the most clutch shots there at the end. Yeah, in, so. crunch, in crunch time, yeah. But they're, So they're, they're starting five, one through five. Ten points, 17 points, 13 points, 13 points, 17 points. Six man got 15 points. It's like they, it's not all from – it's spread around big time. Yeah, not the same way with Michigan. No, I know. But it, that's what I'm saying, though. I feel like well, – I'm comparing UCLA to Oregon State. I would take UCLA over Oregon State. Yeah, I mean, Oregon State's done it. They won the Pac-12 tournament against all those good teams. Convincingly, they had a close game against Colorado in the championship, but and then they've dominated in the tournament. I know because Ethan Thompson's playing out of his mind. If he if he has an off night, I'm telling you, it's going to be a rough day for Oregon State, and I think um, I, I think definitely Houston will be able to take him out of that. So yeah, and that's the biggest thing with Oregon State, like you said, if if Thompson. They're gonna Houston's gonna key on Thompson and force somebody and force play, somebody else to beat him. Top three defense in the country. And uh, Oregon State has a big guy, but he's not strong enough to yeah, do much Al- against Al- Houston. Alatiche, Alatiche is probably who you're thinking of. Um, he's six seven. He's their leading rebounder. No, it's another guy. It's uh, Silva, might be his name. Uh, Silver. There's Tariq Silver. He's six five. Uh, oh, Silva. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Seven one. Yeah, but he's oh, yeah, kind of yeah. weak. Yeah, yeah, he is around the. Yeah, um, but yeah, no, I mean it's still size. It's still somebody down in the paint, and then Alatiche is their leading rebounder. Um, but Houston's got those really athletic guards. I don't. I've, I've seen Silva a bunch. Um, he doesn't move quick enough. He if it's right there, he's gonna probably out jump him and get it. But he's not gonna go chase down a rebound. Um. But Alatiche is the guy that will run around and go fly around and go get it. He's like uh, the guy for Oregon. I can't remember his name. Omarui, something like that. And then he he Alatiche is very similar to the the bigs that Houston has. Um, but I mean, outside of outside of Thompson, you got ten points, four points, eight points, six points. They get more bench scoring than most, but four, six, two, and three points. Like Thompson put in twenty two. So he scored a third of their points, more than a third. So if he has an off night, I mean, but on the flip side of that, I mean, Loyola Chicago is a really good defense, um, mm-hmm. and he was still able to get his. So I don't know. He plays the most by far. He didn't come out of the game, so didn't come out for a minute. So 
Houston's got some guards that can force him into foul trouble potentially. Uh, they got a lot of guys who can create for themselves, get to the basket. But not only that, I mean, they're just a really, really good defensive team. So I'll be interested to see how uh, how he responds. So this is probably going to be one of the best defenses that they've seen, obviously. Um, but on the flip side of that, too, it's like Loyola, Loyola Chicago is a really good defense, but they have no scoring threats outside of Crutwig, no consistent scoring threats. We saw it firsthand. So I think, I don't know. I think it's all going to be a bunch of good games, but I don't like Oregon State. Yeah, the spreads are kind of, I don't know. You just look at the games and – Every time you're going to handicap a game, you look at the possibilities. There's a various amount of possibilities of which way, the ways you can see it going. And then sometimes it hits a way that you didn't expect it to go at all. But, yeah, to me, uh, overall, I know I'm on two of the underdogs at all around the same spread. It's eight or nine-point spread, seven-point spreads. Um, And then I'm on two favorites, but, I mean, Hopefully it's the right ones because I definitely probably think two, co- at least two underdogs cover. Yeah, I mean, I, I, at least one will. I mean, there's no way all the favorites cover. It's extremely unlikely. Um, but there is that statistic that I was talking about right before the tournament started that 50 – or no, it's like 85% of the teams favored by five points or more um, cover. So I remember reading that, and I, I'm pretty sure that's what I said on that first March Madness episode. But, but yeah, I mean, at this point, everybody's got confidence. Nobody's doubting their abilities when you're in the Elite Eight to go to the Final Four. Uh, we saw South Carolina make a similar run like this probably three tournaments ago. Um, so, I don't know. We'll see what happens. It's a bunch of good games. Uh, it'll definitely be interesting to watch for sure. So, hopefully, we can make some money along the way. Uh, so to recap, I'm taking Houston minus seven and a half, Baylor minus seven and a half, USC plus nine, and Michigan minus seven and a half. You're taking Oregon State versus Houston under 129. I'm taking Arkansas plus eight, USC plus nine, and then I'm gonna go with Michigan minus seven. Oh, it dropped to seven. Yeah, that's what we just. I had it at seven and a half. Yeah, I just saw it at seven on my... Okay. Um, All right, that'll do it for episode 77. Uh, We ran a little longer than we were planning on, but, I mean, these are important games. So if you got any questions or anything about something specific that we didn't touch on, feel free to message us on the Big Easy Bets Twitter page. Y'all have a good one. Who that?